and it caught Bernie Perron's banner on fire. Welcome to this week's episode of It's 70 Degrees Outside, so I am no longer depressed. Nice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Welcome to Millennials Looking for Mentors. I'm Klein Aliardi. And I'm Elise Notariani. And thank you to Jefferson Health, New Jersey, for sponsoring this episode. This week, we're talking to Laura Price. She is EVP and Chief Operating Officer of the Philadelphia 76ers and Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. Just a mouthful. I can't breathe. (laughs) That is a a title. It's a title. It's what dreams are made of. No, the best part of this uh, interview, though, is hearing horror, not horror stories, mistake stories. I need a, we need a better phrase for what they are. An office whoopsie. I hate, no. That is not. That's what it's going to be from now on. It's not what we're calling it. I hate that. Why not? Um, I, I just don't understand. What could you not like about that? The word, oh, no, no, no. Have I ever told you about the time that I accidentally spent $7,000? $7, no. <laughs> what did you do? I worked, I worked. It was actually, it was really bad. It was like, I, not a good moment. It was a huge mistake. I almost started crying. It was awful. How do I say this without explaining what the company was? Whatever. We were doing gifts, basically. And in a certain tier of gifts, there was going to be an item. And then in a different tier of gifts, that item wasn't going to be there. And so instead of dividing the number of that item that I had to order in half, because we only needed them for certain tiers, I just ordered all of them. Did you get yelled at? I didn't get yelled at because my boss was like very nice about it. But it was also like, dude, no. <laughs> um, I also, though, I went in with a solution. I was like, hey, I totally messed this up. Here's what I'm going to do about it. You know, type of a thing, which like doesn't make it okay, but it makes it better. <laughs> Guys, life is stressful. Yeah. And that's why you should go on a daily walk when it's 70 degrees outside. That's where I'm heading next. So uh, go ahead and listen to Laura while you go enjoy outside. Really quick question. Where's your favorite spot to watch the game? So in person live is my favorite spot. I stand. Um, I usually encourage people not to stand next to me because what happens when we miss a shot or we make a good shot, I tend to grab and hold or I'll I I, like, I can't help it because I just get too involved in the game. So I, I always, I'm like, don't stand close to me. If the game's close, it's not a good experience for the person in front of me. Um, so or, and then, you know, my second spot is just on my couch, which, you know, I can actually yell at the TV, which my dogs look at me like I'm nuts, but it, you know, no one can hear. I can, I have my own conversations and right. you know, it's nice there because then I'm not getting distracted. So, but there's nothing like a live experience, but you know, we're also working. So sometimes I can't always watch yeah. at home. I can watch mm-hmm. the whole thing. So Tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like. My day-to-day changes a lot. Um, I think, as you know, I'm COO of the Sixers, but EVP of HBSC. So I also travel up uh, north to see the Devils games. So I kind of do both. So it depends on where the games are, what concerts we might have, or in any business that we have. But, you know, typically it's quite a few meetings. I try to get in early to get through my emails. What's the percentage of emails that you absolutely have to get in your inbox compared to emails that you're just like, I do not need this right now. (laughs) It's interesting. Early on when we were doing ticket sales and I wanted to engage with our ticket sales stuff, I asked to be put on the list for every sale that is done. 
So I get a lot of emails coming through from our sales oh group. So, but I think those are important. So it does add a ton of volume to my inbox. Right. Um, you know, we have spam filters. Uh, I think they pull out a lot of those, but you know, it does come down to, you know, I'll use specifically on game days. You know, I have to start like scanning through and prioritizing because, you know, it'll be certain people that I know I have to get back to versus ones that I know that I can can wait on. But I would probably say, you know, 80 percent of the ones that are in there are ones that I need or I think are important that I need to respond to another 20 percent are ones that, you know, that I can either pass on to somebody else or I can ignore. Yeah, that's a good that's a good balance. Mm -hmm. Um, Something I'm always interested in is communication styles. And you, as you were saying earlier, uh, with working with even like the, the devils and then also the Sixers and then within the Sixers, there's your team and then there's coaching staff and employees. Do you find that you change your communication style based on who you're interacting with? So, so I would tell you generally like my delivery and communication is the same. I am very collaborative. I think telling people more so everyone knows and is aware and then can point out something if I've totally missed it. I, I'd rather have someone point out to me because I was moving too fast or didn't think something through, wasn't aware of something else. So I generally am more collaborative in terms of communication across the board because I think it's super helpful for everyone to understand, you know, on point for messaging, you know, what are we saying about the team? If there's an injury with someone, everyone knows so they're not guessing and spreading misinformation. You know, I, I think the only time I would tell you where I'm not collaborative is if you're in the heat of a battle or something and you you know as a leader you have to like make the decision and tell people what to do versus saying what do you think I'd like your input and how do you know when it's time to to be like okay it's time for me to make the decision you know usually I would tell you I, if you've spent too much time on something you know like it's just repetitive if, if I'm doing the collaborative style um and you just keep going around in circles and around in circles um then at that point I think as a leader it's your time to say okay now we're making the decision so, you know, there's no, I mean, I think of emergencies, let's, let's, let's put this in perspective, emergencies in the sports world. And what I do is not an emergency like war or someone in an emergency room, you know, yeah. or doctors saving cancer, you know, it's all relative. And like, we spend a lot of time on this and take it really seriously, but you know, in our world, having to make those, those quick decisions, but you know, we've had instances like this where, um, you know, the basket, you know, I just, that just happened in another market, the basket breaks, doesn't work you know, there's not a lot of time. you got to move. The yeah. NBA is like TikTok, TikTok, you know, use the broadcast. You can be fine for that stuff. So there's not a lot of time. You should have processes in place for those emergency situations. And again, that's not life-saving. That's just one of those things that, you know, communication is critical and getting the right people knowing who you actually need to communicate with. And then you can tell everyone else after the fact, after you've done those, you know, emergency communications. Wow. Was there a time, um, maybe before the basket, where something like that happened, one of those crises happened that taught you like, oh, we need to be like prepared for this. Like we need to put something in place so that, cause, cause it's such a big, you know, I mean, not having a basket, like yeah. the whole um, thing. I'll give you, I'll give you my own personal one. Um, okay. This is, this is funny. It wasn't funny at the time. So <laughs> this yeah. is back in my Comcast Vectacore days. Um, we did a lot of game presentation and I was, probably, I think I might've been marketing director or VP of marketing. And, you know, we did a lot of pyro and did a lot of great things um, for our game intros. And, um, you know, you have to work with the fire department and, you know, you have to get all the checks done because, you know, you're using flammable stuff. So, 
somehow we um, somehow we shot off fireworks and it caught Bernie Perron's banner on fire. Oh no! Yeah. So um, oh my god! So you know processes in of place. Of all like, the people, <laughs> yes, I, I know, I know. So of everything, again, like it was okay. We had the fire extinguisher, but you know, it. We thought we had everything checked. Obviously we did it. So you change, you change what you have to do. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, that communication, like all of a sudden you look up there and you're like, wait, there's oh my smoke God. coming. So then it's like emergency, you know, getting on the horn with the building and making sure that they're up there and it's nothing worse than that. Obviously we replaced it, but yeah, that was, it's funny now. It was not funny back then. Right. Oh, I'm oh my sure. gosh. <laughs> you look up oh my God. smoke. That's not a good moment. Yes. Not a good sign. We also had oh another gosh. one um, where we were we were dropping T-shirts and uh, the little parachutes, and players at the free throw line, and all of a sudden water comes down. So stop the game. We think there's a leak in the roof. They go up there, and someone had left a water bottle and kicked it over. So no food, no water in the catwalk ever again with anybody. And we had to like get a pre-check done, right? right? To make sure there was nothing up there and accidentally knocked over. Oh, oh my gosh. Could you imagine being that person who left the water bottle? Yeah, but they never, we never found out who it was. I obviously they didn't fess up because by the I, time we got up there, no one was there. Yeah, I wouldn't, I'm going to be honest. I would not come forward with no. that one. Right, right. <laughs> be like, See oh, our team, it's, it's so hard to hide because it's like, yeah. it's even me or climb. Exactly. When those things happen, the league gets involved too, by the way. So that, that makes it a whole really? other level of complexity Wow. because they want to know who's at fault, what's going to happen. How are you going to fix it? Cause it was a delay of game. Um, you know, so the, the, you live and learn on those, those are tough ones, but you know, you can look back on it and laugh now. Just right. not then. Oh my gosh. So how do your goals differ between when the Sixers are doing really well, like currently, which mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of. Um, and when <laughs> they might be not doing really well, it might be going through the process. Right. Let's say. Right. I, I would tell you that our goals pretty much remain the same. How we go about achieving them are different. Uh, so that's what I would tell you is like, you know, we want to have the best environment in all of sports when our fans are at the game, engaging, entertaining, not just on the court. Cause if the team's not playing as well, when we go back to those days, um, you know, where everyone referred to as the process, that was a little bit tougher for fans to watch. So we had to be more creative, right? But the goal was still to provide the most entertaining venue in, in the NBA. But I remember my, my old boss said to me at one point, and this is before um, Josh Harrison, David Blitzer on our team, I was with Comcast and under the umbrella with Ed Snyder and, and Comcast. And they had just gotten a really big superstar on the hockey side for the flyers and we were still struggling. And he's like, he said to my counterpart, he's like, I just made you a genius, but you better find more revenue. And then for me, I had to like figure out, you know, I had to get to my budget. Right. But because he got the ticket sales and everything was right there, it was like, okay, well now you have your budget. Now you've got to find other revenue, like, you know, inventory to sell. You have to be more creative. So it's never, it's not like, it's like, okay, good. You made your budget. You're done. That that's not how this ever works. So if you sell out your arena to capacity, you know, then you're always looking at, well, do we raise ticket prices? Do we not? What areas do we raise the ticket prices? And then, you know, you look at sponsors, you bring more in, but you have limited inventory. And, you know, we're a tenant at the Wells Fargo Center here. So, you know, we have limited inventory. So we have to be creative off, off the court and in and around, you know, things that we do. And I think we have an unbelievable team that does that. 
That's interesting. How involved are you with that? Um, coming up with those ideas? Is it like you take a lot of, um, personal initiative in that, or is it kind of passing it on to your team and trusting them? You know what, early on, you know, I would say in my career, I was really, really involved. And I think a lot of that stuff has just evolved. Like we always caught all teams and all sports copy each other. Someone has a good idea and then you take it and you make it better. You know, that's, that's what we do. You know, I'll give you a specific example. So when we were in the early years of the process, um, Brett Brown, um, was really helpful to us on the business side. So we, we basically just attacked our different groups of season ticket holders in different ways. So for our courtside seat holders, we held a dinner and the entire coaching staff broke down tape and literally went through how they defend plays, how they think about training our players. They had our training staff, what diets they had and went through everything with them and everyone got to ask questions. So it was a really personal hands-on touch to say like, look, I'm the coach. I believe in this and this is what I'm doing. I want you to believe with me. Yeah. Um, and then for all of our other season ticket holders, every game, we'd probably bring around 20 people down to uh, where we do our post-game media and coach would talk to those fans and they get to ask them questions. And then, you know, our CEO, our president, myself, we would do meetings with fans too. You know, that, that listen to them. A lot of it's listening. Uh, you know, these fans in Philadelphia and New Jersey and the Delaware area are very, very loyal. You know, they can criticize their teams. No one else can, but you know, if they stop talking about you, that's when you have to be really concerned. You know, the apathy is the worst thing that you can have in sports. I'll take the complaining. That means they care. Right. I don't know that you'll ever find that in Philadelphia. I don't know if we're really. <laughs> <Yeah. apathetic. laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Don't see that in our future. <laughs> I agree. Um, so you've talked before about uh, the Sixers international reach. What strategies have you been using to kind of push that? And where have you been really successful so far? Sure, sure. So. Basketball is an international sport. And as you know, you know, with Burke and and Joel, you know, specifically right now, you know, they have international appeal and the league is based on a lot of players on each team doing that. So, so that, that is helpful, but for us specifically, you know, we have a team of people that we hired that specifically focus on getting content um, for those countries. And a lot of times we'll try to get, you know, the player to speak in the language to the fans, which makes such a huge difference that, you know, and it's translated and, you know, I, you have to listen to what the fans want. So I know specifically, um, you know, in China, they don't necessarily want the basketball highlights. They can get all of that. What they want is behind the scenes lifestyle stuff. So the more that we can tailor it to the needs of those fans, and then we, you know, put it on Weibo that, you know, that, that really helps build the brand and them to get to know the players. So we've seen a lot of success doing that, you know, and, and I always have to go back to Allen Iverson. I mean, he still is one of the top players in Asia. I mean, his really? brand equity there is unbelievable. Wow. You know, so there's, there's a lot of power in that, right? Jersey sales, people want to meet him. And, you know, so we, you know, once the COVID subsides, that kind of put a damper on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll continue yeah. to go back over there. Our new CEO, Tad Brown, you know, was in Houston and they had Yao Ming. So they had a ton of success in, in, in going over there. And we have a, a young lady who oversees our international uh, stuff. Her name is Sunshine. And she will help us set up these meetings over there to get, you know, Alan Iris and Julius Irving. Harder to do with our current players um, because of the fact that they, you know, they, they have, they're playing all the time and we can't get them to, to leave. Yeah. All right. Stop. I'm going to hold yeah. on. <laughs> I was like, all right, here we go. You're going to have to edit. I was wondering about that. The lights go off. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Energy saving. Sorry about that. I have to do that again. I'm trying not to move and like shake and show around. (laughs) 
I appreciate that, honestly. (laughs) You encourage your employees to have a good work-life balance. Um, Was there a moment that made you realize that that was a priority to you? You know, it's interesting. I, a, a former boss that I had said, you know, it's almost impossible to get a work-life balance. It's just be present wherever you are. If you're at home, be present. Do not look at your phone. If you're at work, be present. The work will be there and learning how to prioritize that not everything's in emergencies is super critical. So I try to be really supportive with the staff on that. You know, and, and our, from the top down, they really are supportive. They take their vacation. People need to see you taking vacation to know it's okay. Because if you're not doing it, then they're like, wait, I'm going to get in trouble if I'm not taking vacation. I don't see my boss doing that. So, you know, that that's really important as a leader to, to do. Have you, I mean, obviously you do work so hard. Um, Have there been times that you've had to go talk to your boss or your supervisor and and talk about getting a promotion or, or some other kind of benefit? You know what? Absolutely on all of them. And I, I would tell you, you know, one of the things that I tell young people and, you know, specifically women is if you don't ask, you're not going to get, you know, you can't sit there and expect that everyone's going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say, she works so hard. I'm going to give her a promotion. I'm going to give her this or him this. So you have to ask for that. And it's uncomfortable conversations because no one, you know, likes to ask for that stuff. And then, you know, if your boss isn't expecting it, it's uncomfortable for them, you know, so you just, I think thinking through how you present something and, and really being prepared and not being emotional is, is super important when you do that stuff. Uh, but, you know, you have to ask. If you don't ask, you will not get. Um, and I, I always tell everyone like that. Just you can't, you're your own enemy. You're, it's your own fault if you don't ask. And, and if someone gets a promotion and someone didn't know you wanted it, um, you know, or if you've been doing, you know, all this work and you don't get the raise, you know, you may not get it all. You may not get any, but at least you've asked and they're aware. And so one of the exciting things for me, um, in, in sports, cause I'm like recently getting into sports, um, is seeing women, you know, women executives who, who are involved. It kind of makes me feel like I can start watching and not feel like a poser who doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been like being a part of that shift? Um, you know, I was fortunate enough when I got to the NBA, um, I had a female boss and she was a vice president. There weren't that many of them. Um, you know, she kind of took me under her wing and then she introduced me to, uh, Susan O'Malley, who was running the, the Washington wizards and their ticket. So I, there was a few women role models for me, uh, but for the most part, you know, it was just very different. It was very male dominated and conversations were very different. They're not acceptable in this day and age. So that's been a major shift. Mm. You know, it's still predominantly male oriented, but, you know, I look across in our offices and we've got, you know, so many female vice president, chief revenue officer, you know, is female. And, you know, we had, we had a GM up at the, um, at the Purdue center um, who was a female to have, Kate Scott as a, you know, first female play by, you know, play by play. It's it's just awesome. And she's an unbelievable person, you know, and everyone supports her so much, you know, from the top down. And, you know, there's another female report, uh, play by play in Milwaukee. So, you know, you're starting to see the female officials, like all of this stuff is like transforming our business. And they're now starting to, you know, trickle over into hockey ops, basketball ops. You know, like we have Megan Dugan on the hockey side and, you know, she's incredible and she's working with our players and they respect her because she's an unbelievable athlete mom herself, you know, so it's so exciting for me to see. And I know Adam Silver on a league perspective and then, you know, Josh Harris and David Blitzer on a team perspective are so focused on making sure that we have an environment that supports women and diversity across the board. You know, we still have a lot of work to do. 
but the fact that you know the 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 people who are leading our leagues and you know and our own partners that manage these teams are focused on it is it's 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 everything. Okay, and then we have a really quick little segment we do at the end of all of our interviews called this or that. So we're going to give okay. you two options and you just pick one. Okay. Um so the first one is work at the stadium or work from home. At the stadium. I get that. Do you uh, want feedback do, on that or do, do you, you want, want me to give me feedback on that? You can totally <laughs> this is this is this is all you. Yeah, I, I would tell you, it's like, I like the stadium because I just like I, interacting with people. Yeah. I love my dogs, but like being at home with them and barking all day, <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I, they're, they're awesome. But yeah, I, I get that. I prefer interaction with people. Like I get my energy off of people. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I like peace and quiet and when I need it, that's fine. But like, generally I like being around people. Yeah. Yeah. So three pointer or dunk three pointer or what? I'm sorry. Dunk. Oh, sorry. Hmm. I would say three pointer. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I would like an explanation on that because I, I wrote that out and I was like, I don't know what she's going to choose. So I think of like, I, you know what my mind immediately went to is like the three point contest in the NBA all-star game. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and what Steph Curry did for the all-star, like he had 16 threes. That made it exciting. One dunk, but like to have a performance like that, I just, True. and that might be because of his performance that that's in my head. Um, but I just think but that that's, that, yeah. like, competitive part of that. And it's a big part of our game now. Um, I just think that's, that's, that's why I went to the three points. <laughs> right. That does make sense. Um, digital calendar or paper planner. I am old school. Hello. Not alone. <laughs> But I do, have, I, am now. I do have a digital calendar because I have someone help me manage it. But for right. me, I write everything nice. in my uh, paper planner. Love it. <laughs> Love it. So sports bar or cocktail bar? Sports bar. Nice. I guess that would make sense, right? <laughs> Not always. <laughs> like I have girlfriends. None of my girlfriends are in sports. Like my friends, mm. you know, that, that are away from work. They're all cocktail. So I'll go that with them too. But like, you know, yeah, I just sports bar I don't have to dress up as much and I can be a little bit more casual that's fair <laughs> good time all right well thank you so much for this this was oh, thank fantastic you. you guys are amazing this was fun I appreciate yeah, it thank good. you good so thank you to Laura for that awesome interview we hope you enjoyed your walk outside yeah. in the nice weather but while you listen to better this. than I enjoyed mine with my dog and his terrible leash skills so <laughs> well make sure you tune in next time we have new episodes of millennials looking for mentors every other Wednesday and if you know someone who you want us to talk to uh shoot us an email at mlfmpodcast at gmail.com see you next time bye bye